Welcome to Small Business Sisters, where two sisters who started their own separate businesses come together to share all things business growth and personal growth. Every week, they will share practical business tips that they have learned along their journey and share their individual perspectives. So grab a drink and join the sisterhood as we discuss all things womanhood, motherhood, and small business. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are doing another little uh, pod, but Jenny now calls it a podette when they're tight. They're short, little baby podettes. Um, And this one is going to be all about pop-up markets. That might be one. Next two questions about um, just starting in general, that might be one of the most popular questions we get, Jen, is – Hey, can you talk about pop-up markets? What do you have to do for pop-up markets? Um, And so this will be – Jenny has way more uh, experience with pop-up markets than I do. Not only, Jen, do you – have you done more pop-up markets than me, but you actually have people come to pop-up markets at Light and Pine. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think of that perspective because I don't really do markets anymore. You don't, but you did for a long time. And I have done markets, but more so – um, at the schools, like just to, you know, help the PTO. And I always do look at like markets like that as advertising, but let's talk. There are like pop-ups around the town. Um, and maybe that's something now that my shop is closed, I might end up doing, but we can chat all about what a pop-up looks like. So let's start with like setup. Because I know practicality. What does somebody need to think about to prep for a market setup-wise? And then we'll talk about materials. Okay. And I just want to preface that it's okay if you don't like doing markets. I just, (laughs) like, (laughs) when I really realized, like, I just don't love this. And this, like, gives glimpses into two pieces of my personality. I don't like the like physical endurance you need, especially with my product being so heavy, like packing mm-hmm. all that up was really exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, it is a lot of peopling. And I was just talking w- about this with Kelly and Susie because I know I own a storefront, but to me that feels a little different than the markets. It feels like you have to be like really on and it's fast paced mm-hmm. and like people are always coming to talk to you and they don't know necessarily know your shop yet. So you're like constantly giving your elevator pitch and it's like a lot of small talk. And that is like really stressful to me. So I, after I opened Light and Pen Collective, I really like stepped away from markets because while they have their place, especially if you are not in a storefront anywhere, markets are invaluable. But then it's okay to come to a place where, like, you say no to doing markets. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You just, like, weigh that. And I'll add, like, really think about your shop. Um, Candles would do absolutely amazing at a pop-up shop. Things – we talked about this last episode of, like, shirts begin to get really hard when you do pop-ups just because of sizing. And mine is – there, there are a lot of boutiques that have graphic tees, but mine is such a the, – the print matters and, like, the shirt color matters that I could do it if I uh, made them all the same. So I could make all the same shirts. Or I would do a pop-up if I could bring my machine and actually make it live uh, versus having pre-made things. Now, my ear warmers, I've done a pop-up at a – I think it was – 
I don't remember if it was Christmas or holiday, but it, it was at a holiday event outside. Texas gets relatively chilly in December. Um, and so I had ear warmers and now those did really well because, you know, it was there's not a lot of decisions when it comes to ear warmers. So also look at your product and maybe it's something like me where you can do it really customizable and maybe you do do the market, but you get electricity at your booth and you make it live at the booth. So yeah. Okay. So to answer your Let's talk about setup. What do you need for a good setup? So I guess it depends if you're indoor or outdoor. Something I learned early on my first outdoor market, I just brought like a six-foot table and put all my stuff on it. And there's definitely um, uh, something to you want to create an experience for the customer coming through. Like you want them to feel kind of cozy like they are maybe in a shop. So I highly, highly recommend getting a tent for any outdoor uh, markets because not only is it physically adding, um, you know, shade and covering to your things, but it's also giving you levels to mm-hmm. uh, use to display. So, like, actually, I did a market with Christina's stuff too, and on our tent, we like hung some of the shirts. So, like, there's a level, an eye level for people, and then built up um, crates. I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. So, I bought like, you know, at Michaels those wooden crates. Mm-hmm. bought a bunch of those and so they doubled as like I packed all my candles in there to carry them to the market and then I laid them on their sides and like stacked them in cool ways to add levels to my table because you kind of you want your display to like build up from the bottom up you don't want it to just like lay all flat and you can kind of think about when you go into a store and you see things at levels it's just kind of like an appealing hack for customers because then they already feel good about what they're looking at, which helps them want to buy it. So just think through your display of how you could add levels for your products. And it did. It really helped me to double at those things as like transporting things. So if you can use crates or bins or maybe you have like a cool old fashioned wagon, but then that could also double in your display like on top of your table. So things like that, think of that can not only transport but also display so you're not having a bunch of stuff like under your table after you take your stuff out. So as far as setup, I feel like that helped me. And then also plan ahead for what you want to make. So Susie's actually really good at this. She'll make a list of like her best-selling things and then schedule out for herself of like I need to make 10 uh, five bottle vase sets or whatever and 10 of these and then like schedule that into your calendar so you have them all made and you're not mm-hmm. frantically making at the last the minute. night before yeah and then like give yourself a whole day to pack up and be strategic about that I, I would say always add in a lot of time um because markets that again like you're reaching a whole new audience but it is a lot more time because you have that whole prep time setup time tear down time. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't say this, but I know you you want people to put a tablecloth on the table and usually like a dark tablecloth. Uh, really, whatever tablecloth goes with your brand. But yeah, I would def- – if it's just like a regular folding table, definitely cover it with stuff. Christina actually could utilize like just get a, some cool fabric and like lay that out. You just want it to look like – 
again, you're always trying to look like if I was walking into a store, what does it look like? You don't want just like a Mm -hmm. card table with stuff on it. Yeah. So it should align with your – we talk a lot about the brand and the brand is what someone associates with your – when they see your brand. And so if your brand is warm and inviting, you want the space to feel that even if you're at a market. Right. And you don't have to like invest in a lot of stuff. I remember my first ones. Okay. This is dating me, but I used to have burlap curtains at my house. Um, and I would just take down my curtains because burlap fit into my like boho vibe at the time. And so I took down my burlap curtains and that's what I used as my tablecloth. And then I got home and I put them back up. So you mm-hmm. can like look at stuff you already have. You don't need to go buy a bunch of stuff. And like I said, the wood crates. Uh, Christina, do you remember at my old house when my shop was in there? And I had the wood crates on the wall. So I just like Mm -hmm. took those. I used them as shelves at my house and then took those off for the market. So yeah, just like look at stuff you already have. I like that you said the elevator – everyone's walking by wanting your elevator pitch. And I think it would be a really good idea to have a like chalkboard sign or something that has your logo and then your tagline. Oh, yes. What, that's so a great point. You yes, don't definitely have, have your call. sign somewhere. Now, will people read it? I don't know. But at least it might say – like that will either draw them in or maybe be like, oh, it's not really for me. And the other thing I would, su- su- would suggest um, is I know my business partner, Melissa, makes them. I'm sure someone local to Jenny will makes them. But it's a social sign. And hold on. Let me get it so I can tell you exactly what it has. Yeah, I think the more um, language you have at your table, I I go to this all the time because I I don't like talking as much. So the more I can have like already out for you um, and then you can ask me things if you want. Because I think that me, how I act as a customer is I love when stores already have like little signs everywhere because I'm a lot more Mm -hmm. hesitant to like ask that (laughs) just out of the blue. Yeah, so my social sign says, like, it has the Instagram logo and Facebook logo and Etsy logo, um, and it says, you know, follow me here, and it has my handle. But she now does them where you can actually put your uh, Venmo scan or QR code or, like, a QR code to Square or whatever you use. So then when somebody pays, too, they can just, like, hold it up and pay you, uh, which I think is really convenient for a market like that. Yeah, that's a great point, though. You want, like, your sign pretty big, your logo. Because I remember, again, my very first market was, like, terrible. But I learned all these things. And I think that's how you figure these things out. But I had nowhere that said, like, what I was. I just had all these, like, home decor pieces that looked pretty out. But, like, people walking Mm -hmm. by, Mm -hmm. they were like, okay. Because it also – it was a very small market. So I think people are like, wait, what? Is this a store? So yeah, have you can get – my first banner was like Vistaprint with Illuminate Space and it's not that expensive. So you can start small or just print like a – print something and put it in a frame or something that says your logo and maybe mm-hmm. like a little bit about you. So people – people like me as customers that aren't going to necessarily like just chat you up can see Mm -hmm. what it is. So as far as practicality of a market, first might be how to find markets. You might wonder, are there markets around me? And that I would just go to Facebook 
and search your area. Maybe you have a town page that you can ask. Uh, Reach out to your local elementaries because really around holiday time, a lot of uh, schools do markets. You can, on a Saturday, look up farmer's markets. Uh, And then if there's a fee to do it, which a lot of times there is and they vary, you can either look at that as an investment and just pay it or you can – what what we do when we have rent is add to your items maybe a dollar to every item or 50 cents to every item so that it will in the end cover your rental fee. Yes. And as someone that I have put on a couple of markets, the fee is not it's not just the person well, I mean, they might be profiting, but I remember when I did markets, it was really just a fee of all the extra time I was doing to put together, like the event marketing mm-hmm. promotions, um, renting the space, the big space that it was in, you know, the extra drinks or things you give out. So that is, um, there is a necessary piece to paying a fee. So don't get like too resentful at the people mm-hmm. that implement it. Oh, Yeah. And you could even if let's say there like there was a market that I almost did in uh, the town next to me, and it was their holiday market. And it had the year before I had done it, and it was a set amount. But the next year it like quadrupled the amount to invest, and I hadn't done particularly well the year before. So to me, I was like, I don't know, like if I didn't do well that year, and now it's four times the price. Like, should I do it? But it had gone up so much because of the growth in the area and the amount of people they were expecting. So it wasn't one that I ended up choosing to do because I ended up opening the store that year. But um, there can be that. You could even reach out and be like, hey, can you let me know how many people you're expecting and all this stuff. So um, just to decide. And again, even if it is a bust, you always got your name out there. Right. Always got your name out there. So when somebody is ready to purchase pocket tees or whatever, maybe they'll think of you. Um, And that's actually – I will bring that up. Don't forget business cards. Uh, Or have a scan code for them to immediately follow you on the spot because uh, I think – for me, at least, a lot of people would walk by. And I think they do it out of, like, niceness. Like, can I have your business card? Yeah. <laughs> but if you can give it to them, well, then maybe they will think of you. But I like the idea of having, like, a QR code straight to your Instagram where at least you gain a follow that way. Um, yeah, and they can for, see more about eyes. you. Like, our yeah. Instagrams are a good glimpse of, like, who we are. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's always – that even if they don't buy from – you that day, like getting them to see your page, like that could mm-hmm. be a customer eventually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then the practicality of taxes. It, when you do a market, you do have to pay sales tax on everything that you sell because it is in the state that you run your – well, unless like I traveled to Illinois to do one. But if it's in the state where you run your business out of, make sure to collect taxes because you will be responsible to pay those out. Yep. So keep track. Um, what other – anything like practical? I know. I'm trying markets? to think. Can I you go like into I... a little bit more detail of how Susie does her prep beforehand? You mentioned okay. it, but – Yeah, I could be like totally embellishing this. So I'm sorry, Sorry, Susie. Susie. <laughs> but I just know she like really strategically thinks through 
what sells well. And so Susie tracks her numbers and things like that. So she can look back and be like, okay, I know this, this, and this. Um, Like she makes barnwood hearts. She does the bottle vases on a block of wood. She does the single hanging vases. So this is a time to like really go to all your best sellers because Mm -hmm. that's what you really want to highlight. And because I'll interject, um, I did a market as Light and Pine Collective actually and brought a like one thing of everybody's thing. And I feel like that was too overwhelming for people because they didn't know what to focus on. So like you might not want to bring your whole product line. You just want to bring your best sellers and a bunch of them. So people have to make less decisions because if you think about it, there's a a lot of different booths. So they're not going to buy probably like a ton of stuff, but you want them to buy something. So have like Mm -hmm. five products, but a bunch of them. So especially because this will happen. So let's say I had frosted pumpkin candles, but I only brought three. I brought all my scents and I only brought three of each scent. Well, then somebody next to each other is like, oh, I want frosted pumpkin, but then they're gone. But I have these other scents, whereas it would have been better if I just brought like 30 frosted pumpkin, 30 citrus agave, and 30 signature mm-hmm. scent. Because again, it's mm-hmm. giving it's like reaching someone for each of food and non-food candle people, but then there's not too many choices for them. They can grab it, but then again, they're gonna follow you, they're gonna know you, hopefully have a great experience with my candles. So then mm-hmm. they'll buy they'll go online and see all the scents and try something else. So focus mm-hmm. on your best sellers. That's what Susie does. And then she just makes sure she blocks out time ahead of time so she's doing the market early november um so she's starting now to plan Mm -hmm. like when to make a good chunk of all that so it's ready because you don't want to be like last minute scrambling and then not have your best work and not have enough right right at the market and that's the thing too that you realize you have to make for markets but you have to tag and price and do the setup. So there's a lot of things that you don't – I remember countless markets the night before I would stay up till midnight, 1 a.m. prepping because I did wait till last minute. And then at the event, I was exhausted. Um, I also – because of my ADHD sensory stuff, like I get on sensory overload at those things. And so afterwards, I just crash. Like I just yeah. crash. And yeah, so I too. think the key would be – Out of socialization. <laughs> Yeah, and mine is just like overstimulation. Like it's loud. There's a lot going on. Um, I usually get headaches in that situation. So that's all of that. Um, But I I like the idea of two months out, like prepping. Yeah, this week I'm going to work extra on headbands and like exactly. And I would say, um, like right before, like the week of, just run through everything that your customer experiences to make sure you have everything like for instance okay they're gonna stop at your booth so you're gonna have your sign and obviously the product displayed Mm -hmm. then if they purchase then you need bags you need do breakable Mm -hmm. stuff that you need tissue do you have need a square reader do you need a cash to make change like make sure all those things Mm -hmm. you don't necessarily think about so just Mm -hmm. run through the process of the customer experience of purchasing mm-hmm. and everything you need. And then I remember Miranda from Marketing for the Uninhibited teaching <laughs> me to have somehow to capture their email. So like write maybe where you're doing like a little mm. checkout, a list for them to sign. Because most people will, even if they don't buy that, they like 
I mean, if you think about psychology, they want you to like think they're interested. So they would give you their email. And that's, again, just another way to even though maybe you Mm -hmm. didn't capture them at the market as a customer, because it's like Christina said, there's so much stimulation, you have their email now, and they're going to get to know you Mm -hmm. through that. And yeah, most likely. And you can say like, hey, sign up for my emails and get 10% off or you can offer that or maybe they'll just sign up or have like a freebie of like, uh, you know, I'm giving away these yeah, giveaway. If, yeah. you, if you sign up. So I like that too. Grab their emails. Miranda always has the best advice. <laughs> um, I like the run through the customer experience too. In fact, when I did design your own events at the shop – I, as I'm packing up my stuff to take, I would run through that. Like, okay, somebody brings me up a shirt. They want this pocket. Yeah. I have the fabric. Okay, then I need my sewing machine. I need an extra needle if the needle were to break. I need – I would need to go level it. Okay, I have my pins. Like, I would run through all yes. that too. Yes. And that comes sure from, like, everything. messing it up because, yeah. I, like, basic things I mm-hmm. haven't had before. But if you there do, was- you run through each step. Hopefully you won't forget anything. There was one pop-up I did. I forgot about this pop-up, and it was actually fabulous, and it was one that I took my machine and made the shirts. I'm telling you, it makes a huge difference. Um, Mm -hmm. But anyways, I get to the place, and I have everything I need except my pedal, like my sewing pedal. Oh, yes. And I cannot sew without my sewing (laughs) pedal. So I call Tyler, and it's it's 5 o'clock. Traffic is awful. This – we do live in a small town, but we live on the opposite side, and it's – seriously, the traffic's awful. So I knew, oh, my gosh, it's going to be like a 30-minute car ride. And I call him. I'm like, I need my sewing pedal. He's like, you forgot your sewing pedal? It's kind of important. And I was like, I know. And so well, he had to bring it. I – yes. No, I get it. These things happen. I was doing the a poor party off-site, and I like – seriously, I thought I ran through every step. So just give yourself a little grace because I got there, and I had forgot pitchers to pour the wax and I forgot my candle setter like I put chopsticks to hold the candles so and I was pretty far away so I couldn't go back and get it but luckily it was at a plant shop so she had like pots that I could use as pitchers and then I used like pen the markers I used to do the label I set them against the wick and like curled it over but so you can usually Problem solved, but it happens to all of us. It's okay. Mm-hmm. If you're doing an outdoor market and it is like cold season, I've done that too. Make sure to be prepared for that as well. Have a coat. Um, my husband ended up having to bring me hand warmers because remember, like we are, we weren't <laughs> ready for how chilly it actually got. Um, but hand warmers, yeah, and pack some snacks that you and drinks. Snacks and drinks. Um, but I also think like be – do whatever you need to do ahead of time to be the best version of you because, again, we've said it a few times in this episode, like this is their interaction with you. This is their live Instagram. This is their mm-hmm. um, meeting the brand. So, um, you know, you want to be – you want to be representative, again, of what your brand represents. So right. um yeah, if you guys have any – again, we're not experts when it comes to pop-ups because we no longer do those actively. Um, I did actually just get reached out by someone to come do a make and take. Like I used to do at my shop, so that's kind of exciting Ooh. and fun. Um, so I guess you could consider that a pop-up market. Um, but 
We are not experts, but we know there are some experts out there. So if you guys have any input, make sure to message us so we can share it with those of you that actively do pop-up markets. Um, I know if you live in my area, there are two really big pop-up markets. There's uh, the Indian Mound Farmer's Market, which is inside Liberty Hill. And there's also Liberty Hill Pop-Up Market, which is right outside of uh, Main Street Social in Liberty Hill. So if you are in my area, those are two very popular markets. Jen, do you guys have popular markets by you? Um, yes, the Artisan Collective in Batavia is great. Firefly Market, that's the one Susie and um, Kelly are doing. There's a lot of markets. Just search it, like talk to your other maker friends, search mm-hmm. Facebook and Instagram. Mm-hmm. As mm-hmm. much as we dislike Facebook, I think Facebook is a great way to find markets and promote your markets. You find a lot of people there. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, good luck, if, especially during this season as it picks up. We know pop-up markets are really popular, and um, we hope that these steps make it a little bit easier to plan and prep and set up. So uh, good luck this season. Join in the conversation by following us on Instagram at at underscore small business sisters. Make sure to introduce yourself because we love to follow and support other small businesses. And if you love the podcast, we would absolutely be so grateful if you subscribe and leave us a review. Every positive review helps other small business owners to find us. Remember, don't do life alone. We're better together.